Good morning, everyone. I have a tendency to preach too long, and they haven't they haven't left me uh, enough minutes to be considered too long. So uh, we better get this train uh, down the tracks. No, I'm just kidding. It's my prayer that you know we'll get a little bit shorter as time goes by. I'm going to start by reading some scripture, and then we're going to uh, get in today's message, which is called Tasked with the Impossible. Sounds light, doesn't it? Uh, let's read. I'm reading from Luke uh, chapter 1, 26 to uh, verse 38. It's a prof- uh, pretty familiar story. Uh, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month uh, with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Uh, oh, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for um, choosing Mary. I thank you, God, for the virgin birth, Lord Jesus. I thank you for displaying your awe and wonder through this little girl, this little woman, and uh, God bringing us the Savior. God, I'm grateful this season to celebrate who you are and what you've done for us, Lord. God, would you be glorified in our words? God, may I preach your word this morning. May we see you in a new way, in a new light. In Jesus' name, amen. It truly is a privilege to be with you this morning. And Ronke, I want to I thank you uh, for your word this morning because you just kind of set up the message. Because this message uh, is an invitation to the impossible. I was tasked with an impossible uh, event a couple weeks ago. It was a cold, rainy night. And one of those ones right before the snow hit, right, was just misting all day. And I'm driving home with Aaron and, and my son Owen in the van, and, and I see this car pulled over. I thought there was an accident, and it was about a couple blocks from my house. And so I pull over, and I see these two guys holding this dog, this big golden retriever. And I was like, oh, I know whose dog that is. That's the Peter's dog. That's Jasper. And I felt really entitled that I had to save this dog. So I pull over on Hespler Street and I go out and they're like, do you know whose dog this is? I, yeah, yeah, this is Jasper. And I scold Jasper a little bit, right? I grab him by the collar. Jasper, why are you so far from home? You know, and I take Jasper and I start walking him towards my van. And I start thinking to myself, man, Jasper's really behaved today. Like normally he likes to jump on you, right? And get really 
in up Yerek, you know, like, so I, I'm taking him along and I open up the van door and the kids look at me, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm, this is Jasper, we're going to take Jasper home. So I take Jasper, this huge dog, wet dog, smelly dog, and he's sitting in the middle of my van in the back and we start driving and I realize immediately, like, this dog reeks. I was like, ugh. Anyways, we drive home. And Scott and Lisa live pretty close to my house, so we drive around the block, and I pull up in the driveway, I'm like, you guys just stay here, I'm going to go knock on the door, just make sure they're home. So I'm knocking on the door, and no one's coming to the door, I'm knocking, knocking, finally I hear the kids, and they come and open the door, and they let me in. And I was like, hey, I have, and I hear this on the floor, and Jasper comes running around the corner, and he comes and starts jumping on me, I'm like, Jasper! Who's in my van? So I, I was like, I didn't even explain. They're like, what do you want? And I was like, never mind. I'll probably tell you later. So I, I leave these kids. Parents weren't home. And I, and I go back and I open, up the van, I open up the van door. And I look at the kids. I'm like, that's not Jasper. And the smell is reminding me that I have a big wet dog in my van. And they look at me as if now there's a terrorist in the van. They're like, and they don't want to look at the dog. They're just like, who is this? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, praise the Lord, this dog had a collar on it, you know, it had this like website you could go to. So I checked the website and, and I find that the name is Dexter, not Jasper. It's pretty close, right? And I called the owner and they come home. And, and why am I telling you this story when we're talking about Tash of the Impossible? Because every time I tell this story, especially my kids, they say, people say the same thing to me. I can't believe that you, Greg, would put a wet, stinky dog into your van. That's impossible. And I was like, how did I do that? That's crazy because I, I have a little bit of OCD when it comes to certain things. And wet dogs in my van would, would qualify as one of those things that Greg just doesn't do. Uh, as well as let my kids play on the front yard after I mowed it because the straight lines have to be visible, right? They have to stay straight. Anyways, yeah, I know. I know. I shouldn't confess these things. Yeah. So if you really want to test me, just wait till I mow my lawn and then come run all over my lawn, you know, it's like going to cause them to press into Jesus really quick here. So, but this morning, I, I, I felt the Lord say to me this morning that this message is an invitation. It's an invitation for you to walk alongside Mary and enter into an impossible journey. A life that is impossible outside of the work of the Holy Spirit. And I want to suggest that you're called to this. And so it was wonderful when you came up and said, you know, this year, 2017, do things that are hard. Do things that are uncomfortable. I have all these things like written down in my message. That's uncanny and that's wonderful. And I want to suggest to you that this is what we're called to. When we look at the key verse here, if you could just put that back up here. Please, kindly. Um, the angel says, for nothing will be impossible with God, suggesting that there are things that are impossible to do without him. Correct? And then Mary said, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. We can relate to that and say, we are servants of the Lord. There's things that we are going to do. I like that it says with God. They were called to do with God as servants of the Lord. And thirdly, that his kingdom will come and his will be done. And I want to say to you, church, 
young and old, that you were called to do impossible things. You've been tasked with impossible things. And I don't want you to get nervous that, you know, you're not Tom Cruise, right? Because Tom Cruise regularly does missions that are impossible, doesn't he? You know? You know, Matt said, Greg, you should, you should change the title of this sermon. You should call it Mission Impossible, right? So I thought, well, yeah, I could make a mission. I could make a slide, right? I got Tom Cruise hanging from the side of the plane, Mission Impossible. Luke 1, 26, 38. And then I get the music, right? Like, doo-doo-doo, doo-doo-doo, right? If you choose to accept this mission, right? So this is, you can turn it back to the slide. You know, you don't, you can maybe just daydream of the music in the background if you want, if it helps you out, but... But I want to invite you along to this impossible mission. And, uh, and uh, you know, at the end of all these Tom Cruise movies, right, it says Mission Impossible, but you never, yeah. you, what you never see at the end is, well, that really was an impossible mission, and they failed. That never happens, does it? Never. Why do they call it Mission Impossible? It's completely possible. And I felt that was kind of like the word today. We're tasked with this impossible mission, but it's completely possible as we live our lives filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And how many of you are filled with the Holy Spirit here today as baptized, born again, believers of Jesus Christ. Amen. So then the the task with the impossible actually is possible, but we must keep in mind that it's in Christ with the Holy Spirit. All things are possible with God. So the invitation goes out to you this morning that number one, uh, impossible tasks are ignorant of age or stature. I want to invite you not to disqualify yourself because that's something that I really love to do when it comes, when I think of impossible tasks or Rob asking me to do impossible things, you know, the things that I find scary. I love to disqualify myself. One of the things I love to say is I'm too young. No, no, I, you know, in people's eyes, I'm too young. Have you ever said no to something God wanted you to do because you felt like you were too young? How many, have you ever done that? Have you ever said of someone else, that person's too young, I, I can't sin under their teaching, or I can't, uh, that person's too young to do that. What do they think they're doing? Because we love to disqualify ourselves. What about stature? Have you ever said no to something because you felt too low on the chain of command? You know, like in the movies, you have a security pass, right? And you're like, you, want, you think, well, if I, put, if I swipe it through that card reader, it's just going to go, bloop, bloop, and the door's not going to open. So you don't even attempt to try because... You don't feel like you're qualified to take on that mission, to say yes to that thing that scares you. I kind of had those feelings when it came to eldering. You know, I was like, well, who am I to elder? I'm hardly an elder in the church. Maybe if they called it a younger, maybe that would help me out, eh? Or a middler or something. And, And I just feel like, I just feel like when it comes to hard things, it's so easy to listen to the enemy who wants to disqualify us just based on who we are, how old we are, or how we see ourselves, or how others see us. But how does the Lord see us? I mean, he chose Mary. How old was Mary? Right? 12 to 14, 13 is the regular age, would you say, Rob? Around there? Yeah, see, there you go. It's close. She was young. If I'm thinking of bringing the Savior to the planet, you know, maybe, okay, someone's got to give birth to, to Jesus. I'm like, well, let's pick someone maybe around 30 years old. So maybe someone's had two or three ch- children. They know what they're doing. Maybe a little more established. But Mary? 13 years old? 
And as I looked at the scriptures, I was like, this actually isn't just with Mary. This is all the way through the Bible, isn't it? God choosing people that you wouldn't normally choose. You think of David. Well, he was pretty young, right? You think of Gideon. Well, he was just fearful in hiding. You think of Rahab. She was a prostitute. You think of Paul. He was like dog the bounty hunter of all things Christian. This is who God's going to choose to write. What did he write? Like most of the New Testament, right? When we start, when we start judging based on care, like based on our age or based on our stature, we can really miss out on what God wants to do. And as I look through, I say, here we have Mary. She's so young and she's so inexperienced. And you have Zachariah and Elizabeth. Well, they're like the opposite end of the spectrum right before this, right? They're too old. And they're going to have John the Baptist. So here you have God saying, I'm going to do something through some really old people. And I'm going to do something through this really young person. And what you should be hearing is none of you here sitting today can disqualify yourself from doing impossible things for the Lord Jesus. You just can't do it. You can't find it in the Bible. So I invite you not to disqualify yourself. Don't disqualify the person next to you. Job 33, 8 verse and 9 says, But it is the spirit in a man, the breath of the Almighty, that makes him understand. It is not the old who are wise, nor the aged who understand what is right. Yes, the ages are wise, and there is wisdom that comes through age. But it is the spirit in a man. It's the Holy Spirit, the hope of glory in you that's calling you out this morning to do great, scary, amazing things in 2017. Saying yes to things we feel are beyond our capabilities creates a necessary a necessity for Jesus. And I invite you to let the Lord Jesus be your credibility this morning. Number two, I want to invite you to embrace inconvenient times. And I want to suggest that impossible tasks happen at inconvenient, inconvenient times. Sorry, And I think this is like, more confession i think like this is one of the biggest excuses that i like to use with with pastor rob he says greg i think you should preach you know on on so-and-so date yeah well it's a big financial time in the church i got uh lots of reports that need to be done and uh i got a my daughter has to go to the dentist you know i don't know i could come up with a myriad of excuses to try to push off walking in the power of the holy spirit and doing stuff that challenges me. I'm, I am just so good at this. When Michelle and I were getting married, you know, we talked about missions. Well, should we have them before? Or maybe God's called you to have kids on the mission field. In 2017, Michelle and I are going to enter into something that scares us. And uh, we've said yes in our hearts and are going to do it in our deeds. And we want to foster. And I've had people say, well, are you sure you want to foster? Like your kids are 12 and up. Like you have freedom. And we do. Like I can go to bed and stay in bed right to the morning. And I don't even think. I don't even think. I can say, hey, kids, where do you want to go on a holiday? And all of us go on the holiday. And all of us take part, you know. I can do this even. I can say, hey, kids, you're staying home and I'm taking your wife on a date. Come on, Michelle, let's go. And they're actually excited to do that. But I was like... Everything's convenient. I can do what I want, when I want. Why would we foster? That's highly inconvenient, isn't it? Especially the fact that we want babies. I'm going to have diapers. I'm going to have to get up in the middle of the night. 
I'm going to have to feed them, bathe them. What about fetal alcohol syndrome or physical or mental? Inconvenient. But it's what we're called to. What are you called to? What has God been whispering to you that you go, oh, that's just a little inconvenient. I'm not sure if that matches up with my life or life in Steinbach anyways. So where's Mary in this? Mary, like, I don't know, was she cleaning the house? You know, like, was she had this, had this routine? You know, was she preparing some meal? You know, like, no, this is Taco Tuesday. I got to, you know, make sure everything's in order. Like, what was she doing? When this angel shows up and says, hey, I got an impossible task for you. What about this? What, what, what's Mary's response? Was, okay, well, well, how about you wait until we've consummated the marriage? That would be a little less inconvenient, wouldn't it? Because then we could, okay, yeah, we've, we've gone, we've done, you know, one plus one equals two. And this would all make sense. And it would spare maybe a lot of questions. That would have been a little more convenient, wouldn't it? Highly inconvenient, the fact that it comes before consummating the marriage. Yet the Lord says, this is how it's going to be done. Because I need to be made glorious. I was reading in uh, Luke 9. It was, I'll read it for you. cost of following jesus as they were going along the road someone said to him i i will follow you wherever you go and jesus said foxes have holes and birds have the air uh, of the air have nests but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head to another he said follow me but he said the lord uh to another he said follow me but he said lord let me first go and bury my father and jesus said to him leave the dead to bury their own dead but as for you go and proclaim the kingdom of god yet another said i will follow you but the lord lord but let me first say farewell to those who are at home Jesus said to him, no, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, inconvenient times are so great because they create a necessity that the Lord has to show up. Aren't they? I mean, if you're going to get pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit with the King of Kings before you've consummated the marriage, man, God's going to have to show up and he's going to have to make a way. In 2017, I invite you to say, think, say yes to the Lord as he invites you to do things that seem totally inconvenient. When you think, oh Lord, could we just do it a different way? Where the Lord says, yeah, there's responses, Mary, right? Behold, I am the servant to the Lord. Let it be to me according to whose word? Your word. That's like Jesus saying, this is how you should pray. Your, your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. It's not easy, is it? It's not easy. But I invite you to walk with Mary in the fact that she was young and the fact that it was inconvenient. But God did glorious, glorious things. Number three, I want to invite you to embrace the uncomfortable. You know, it's, I, I think I can, I can wrap my head around the fact that Okay, God, you've called me to do something. You've called me to. You've called me to preach. I can, okay, you've called me to do that. All right. I can wrap my head that I know it's good for me. I know it's good for others. 
However, the, the hard part is it's, like, it's uncomfortable. It scares me. And there's consequences. I have to get up in front of people. I have to talk in front of people. I have to preach the word in front of people. And it's uncomfortable. And uh, it doesn't make me feel good. And I, I was like, preaching a sermon is kind of like, it's kind of like the dentist for me. You know, you know what's good for you. You know, you know you're, you know you're called to go to the dentist, take care of your feet. And at first, you know, you can get used to the idea it's really good. Like when they go to the dentist, they lull you into that false sense of security by putting you in this comfortable chair that just forms to your body. And they go, oh, just lean back, right? Oh, and you lie back. You're like, yeah, this is good. And then you hear the drills, you know, or the needles. And you're like, no! And it gets uncomfortable in a big hurry. But you walk out of it having accomplished something that's good. Amen. And as I looked again, I looked at the word of God and I was like, you know what, Lord, when you call people to do things, it was just rarely comfortable. You have Abraham having to trust the Lord and almost sacrificing his son, Isaac. You have Noah. Like, who did, what did Noah look like for saying yes to the Lord? Like a lunatic. Like, what do you mean you're building a boat? There's, how is this possibly going to happen? You had David facing giants. You have Daniel getting thrown into furnaces and lion's dens. I mean, there was hardly anything comfortable about saying yes to Jesus. Hardly ever anything comfortable. And what about Mary? What were the consequences for Mary of saying yes? Yes, Lord, I'm your servant. Let it be done to me. Is she a liar? She could have been treated with contempt, could have been rejected by her family, like how much they had invested, how much they invested into this wedding or this engagement being planned. Could have been abandoned by Joseph, and we know that Joseph was a good man, and by a divine encounter, he did not abandon her. Or worse yet, she could have been executed. Old Testament law, Deuteronomy 22, 23, 24, the penalty for an engaged woman who slept with another man, she could have been executed. We're saying yes to the yes to the Lord. Those are some severe consequences. Following Jesus has consequences. What about the consequences of having to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem while pregnant? Probably ninety miles through hill country, riding a, possibly riding a donkey. I remember traveling just to the hospital with Michelle. You know, that's a don't hit the bumps. Never mind, 90 miles. Samaritans posing a possible threat, making it hard for them to find lodging. Church, when things are easy or natural, it is so easy to rely on our flesh and not the Holy Spirit. We find this in worship practice, and I've probably said it before. Like when, we're, when we have a worship practice and it goes really easy, it's scary. Because Sunday morning, we were like, yes, we got this. Let's just let it rip just like in practice. And you kind of forget to go, oh, Lord, I need you. Lord, we need you to, to be the power behind the music. And it's the same way in our lives. Saying yes to the uncomfortable requires or increases our need for faith in, in a great big God. Whether it's through finances or whether it's with wisdom whether it's provision or just the ability to do something. When things are uncomfortable, it pushes us to Jesus. It pushes us to a, a leaning on Christ and saying, man, without you, I just, I just can't. This, can't, this isn't possible. 
How am I possibly going to get through this? How is this going to happen? And Mary's response, it's challenging. You know, the first thing Mary responds when the, when the angel says to her that, you know, she's going to be uh, impregnated by the Holy Spirit. She says, how will this be since I am a virgin? And I was kind of, a, I was kind of impacted because I, I read that. When I read that, Zachariah's response is kind of the same thing, isn't it? He says, how is this going to be? Zachariah says, how, will, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man. My wife is advanced in years. And Mary says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And, and Zachariah has this experience where because he questions the Lord, he's mute. Right? We all know this story. I asked him, so how come Mary doesn't have the same experience? What's the deal? And you look back at Zechariah, and you also start to realize that it says in, in uh, verse 13, don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard. Zechariah had been praying that they would have a baby. Number one, he'd been praying for it. Number two, he was a biblical scholar. He would have known that there was precedent in the Bible for this to actually be a possibility, right? Abraham and Sarah... He would have known, oh yeah, Sarah had a baby by the power of the Lord at an old age. Right? But he has this doubt response, this lack of faith response to the Lord saying, how, how do I know I can trust you? I'm old. My wife is old. So there's this call to faith as the Lord speaks to us. Mary has this response, how? But it, how will this be? But this is a question of like, honestly, how is this going to be? Like, I didn't ask for this. What are you doing? How is this going to be, Lord? And so as we respond to the Lord, I think it's fair to say, Lord, Lord, how do you want to do this for me? How, how are you, how are you going to accomplish your will and your purpose for me in 2017 as I say yes to things that just scare me? We know that Mary responds that she's a servant to the Lord. We've talked about that. She says, let it be according to your word. And then, and then she writes the very first Christmas song, doesn't she? In the Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. That to me is a powerful response to God asking her to do something so crazy, so impossible. It's the difference, I think, between Zachariah's response and Mary's response. It's like, oh, Lord. Do we respond that way when God asks us to do crazy things? Oh, you are wonderful, God. You do great things for me. You do great things through me. You are good. That's a challenging response. A very challenging response. So I want to challenge you this morning. Impossible tasks, they're regardless of our age, God God calls us regardless of our stature. Regardless of how we see ourselves, God calls us into things that are difficult. God calls us into things that are inconvenient. God calls us things that are uncomfortable. But when you think about these impossible tasks, what are, what are some of the things you think about? Well, I don't know if the Lord's going to call me to do something that big, Greg. 
I don't see that on my, my horizon. That doesn't really apply to me. Or This is the challenge I felt. like This is almost like the heart of the message for me is this call and this task to walk out the impossible is that we normally save the word impossible for things that are big. Right? Like God just does an impossible thing through the Epps by doing this huge miracle and you find out your mom has cancer and that you may have but a few months left with her. So you go, oh Lord, you need to do the impossible through me. You need to do the impossible for my mom. When we lose our job or we can't pay our mortgage or we, we come into situations that we find, how am I possibly going to make a way? Isn't it that when we go, wow, this is a trial. I need to press into the Lord. Oh Lord, all things are possible with you. And we go there. But I felt the Lord challenge me in my own personal walk. What if you viewed this Every morning when you woke up. Right? When James 1 verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of various kinds. I did a little study on various kinds. Or trials, sorry. Trials. And you know what what came up when I typed in trials? Annoying things. Annoying things. Can I I suggest to you that we're supposed to have this impossible mindset, this I need the Holy Spirit to show up when it comes to annoying things? This is a day-to-day walk, I would suggest to you. That we are tasked with the impossible, not through these big things that we encounter like, okay, i got to preach this week. But... When that person that lives next to you offends you, oh Lord Jesus, you've called me to impossible things. I need to, I need you, Holy Spirit. When you feel pride welling up, you're just like, oh, I've been tasked to an impossible situation. And that's what I love about the fact that the Holy Spirit, that the fact that that Jesus comes uh, via a virgin birth is this, that it's impossible that it's it's unprecedented that can never happen without the holy spirit because i'm pretty sure they didn't have artificial insemination back then i mean there was no other way around this it was like the reason mary is pregnant is because of the holy spirit that task is completed by the power of the holy spirit And in my life, I started to generate this mindset is that the only way I can be a good husband to Michelle is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Outside that, it's impossible. I can't be a father to Aaron or Owen or Taylor without the Holy Spirit. I can't lead worship. I can't work well without the Holy Spirit. I can't be a good friend without the Holy Spirit. I can't. I can't. I can't. Possible lives are done in the flesh without the Holy Spirit. Impossible lives are lived out through the power of the Holy Spirit and we're called to them. Amen? I want to encourage you guys today in saying that the impossible becomes possible when we trust and we have faith in the Lord. God wants to do impossible things through you. That's just the truth of the matter. And I encourage you guys to look to Jesus. This is Mary's response, right? When, when this task comes over her. 
when it's heavy, she comes, you know, I'm serving to the Lord. Let it be done. And she sings a song to the Lord. Now, you're so good. You've done great things for me. There's this picture of Mary just looking to Jesus. I need to look to you, Father, or else I won't be able to accomplish this. Because the Bible challenges me. It says, you know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Like, what is that? What does that mean? What does that look like in my life? The possible, the impossible stays impossible when I don't have faith. And Proverbs 3, verse 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him. Make straight your path. And he will make straight your path. My own heart gets in the way. My own mind gets in the way. My own My own feelings of how good I am or how much I can accomplish gets in the way. But the impossible becomes completely possible as we keep our eyes on Jesus. Right? Peter walking on water. Possible or impossible? Impossible. How many of you walked on water here? No one. How did it become possible? He kept his eyes on Jesus. His faith was in Jesus. What happened when he looked away? He starts sinking. It's so easy to start looking at things around us, isn't it? Right? Then you have David. David acknowledges, you know, you have set in the presence of my enemies, you have, you have set a table for me. Here's David. You have set a table in the presence of my enemies. Here's a table. Who set the table? Who set the table? God set the table. Who did he put around the table? Enemies. Here you have pride. Here you have fear. Here you have doubt. Here you have unforgiveness. They're all sitting around the table. Who set the table? God set the table. Who's at the table? God's at the table. He's sitting right here. He set it. He said it before, all of us. These impossible situations. And here's us. And I should really get volunteers to help me illustrate this, right? But here you have fear. Greg, be afraid. Be very afraid. You can't accomplish that task. You shouldn't do it. This isn't the right time, Greg. You've got to watch TV. Huh? You've got Survivor reruns to watch. Come on, this isn't appropriate. What are you doing? You can't accomplish anything. You're the best. You're the greatest. You don't need God. He is absolutely wonderful. Oh, how are you going to pay your next bill? And you're sitting here going, I can't do the impossible. And you're, you start up conversations with these people around you, with your enemies. How do we do the impossible? How did Peter do the impossible? How does David do the impossible? He looks right at Jesus. Say, you are with me. And all things are possible with the Lord. And he's not just with you, he's in you. He's in you, church. He's called you to do impossible things as you keep your eyes on Jesus. Firmly fixed on his gaze. As Peter did, as he walked on water and he looked at his Savior. All things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. And those impossible things happen as we keep our eyes firmly fixed on the Savior. This season. Because lastly, you were called. 
It feels so good to be. It should feel amazing to be called, shouldn't it? I played touch football a few weeks. That wasn't amazing. That wasn't a good idea at all. Apparently, I'm 41, and things don't work the way they used to, right? But they picked two captains, right? I think Kelsey was a captain. And there was another guy. Luke maybe was a captain. I don't know. We have all these guys standing around here, right? I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. You're right? kind of like, oh, I hope they pick me. And how good you are is determined by when you get picked, right? Right? So Matt gets picked. Darian gets picked. Troy gets picked. Right? Raymond gets picked. Everyone's getting picked. Right? I'm sitting there. <laughs> and then, you know who got picked before me? There's my little son. He's 12 years old. Kelsey's like, Owen, come on, team. And I'm sitting here like, there's only one other guy besides me left. And I won't tell you who it was. But I was like, come on, you don't want to be picked last? I was like, and then they said my name. And I was like, hey. And you walk out. I got picked. Praise the Lord, I was picked. You know, it feels good to be chosen, doesn't it? Church, you were chosen. You have been chosen by the King of Kings to walk out this impossible task, but He hasn't left you without the means to walk it out. He's given you the Holy Spirit to do crazy things, things that don't feel good, things that are inconvenient, and things that defy who you think you are in the natural and the physical, who defy what people say you are or what you can accomplish. You were knit together in your mother's womb. But we struggle with that, don't we? We struggle with saying yes. We struggle with believing that. Do you guys struggle with believing that? I do. Mary did. And he came to her. This is Gabriel. He says, greetings, O favored one. O favored one, the Lord is with you. And what's Mary's response? But she was greatly troubled at the saying. If she only knew what he was about to tell her, like, wouldn't that greatly trouble you? But there was this great troubling by the fact that Gabriel shows us up and says, you're a favored one, and I am with you. I would encourage you that if that's you today, if it troubles you to be chosen, if it troubles you to be called to do the impossible, that you would cast your gaze on the King of Kings this morning and know that he is bigger than your age, he is bigger than your stature, he is bigger than your circumstance, and he is definitely bigger than your comfort level. And he wants to do the impossible through you this season and this year. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for your spirit in us. God, I thank you that you are glorious and wonderful. And God, you have good in store for us, Lord Jesus. God, I just invite you, Lord, that you, to speak to us. God, where you are challenging us. God, you definitely have equipped us. And uh, God, but where you're challenging us to say yes to your call, Lord, I pray that we would heed that call. And that you give us the courage, that you would give us the ability and the boldness to say yes to you this year. As Mary said yes to you, in Jesus' name. Amen.